You have to hold yourself, your team, your clients to a standard. And you create that standard. And one of those things is in your reputation is trust. And trust is one of the most important things in getting PR because you become this reliable source. You do what you say you're going to do. That's key to creating a great reputation so that you can grow your reach and then you can get the media coverage of your dreams. Welcome to the Women Choosing Growth Podcast, where we feature inspiring stories of success, challenges of growth, and lessons learned from women entrepreneurs, industry experts, and thought leaders who have been through the growing pains inevitable as an entrepreneur. Whether you are just getting started or are looking to scale up your business, our show is designed to provide you with the tools, resources, and community you need to grow your business. Join your host, Tina Su, a lifelong entrepreneur and business growth advisor, as we explore topics such as marketing, sales, finance, leadership, and personal growth, all tailored specifically to the needs of women entrepreneurs. So if you're ready to grow your business faster and smarter, then this podcast is for you. Thanks for tuning in and let's get started. Welcome back, ladies. Today, we are speaking with an award-winning entrepreneur, speaker, podcast host, mom, and publicity guru, Renee Warren. Renee grew her globally recognized PR agency at the same time as having a couple babies. Talk about a superstar. I also love Renee because her mission aligns with mine in helping as many women entrepreneurs start and build their businesses as many women we can help, that is our mission. She firmly believes, as I do, that the best advice comes from someone who has successfully done it before. Her approach to PR comes from over 25 years of experience running her own business, which we all know includes wearing all the hats. And she specifically thrives in the marketing and PR hats. When she's not momming and running her business, she plays drums and hosts an amazing podcast that you all should listen to into the wild. Welcome to the show, Renee. Thanks for having me, Tina. I am so excited. And I do want to really promote the Into the Wild. I have listened to several of your episodes and it is for the exact audience that is listening to this. And I feel like women can use all kinds of advice. And I agree with you 100% that people who have done it, like yourself and I, and all of the guests that we have, it just, just helps bring all the women that much more success. It brings all the women to the yard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, so probably like you, my podcast was a passion project. I'd been talking about it for years. And I was like, I don't know how to do it. The tech really made me nervous and it overwhelmed me. So finally, one day I was like talking about it with my husband and he was frustrated. He goes, when are you going to launch this damn thing? I go, oh, I don't know. He goes, put a date on the calendar now or else never talk to me about this again. I'm like, fair enough. Opened up my calendar and I thought a month out would be enough. So this was April 27th, 2021. Was it 2021? Yeah. And I launched it on that day. I recorded everything myself. I edited everything myself. Every little bit for the first eight to 10 episodes, I edited. I was just, you edited recording. Yes, you're recording, but you edited... Oh, that's rough. So I realized that is just not the job for me. And it's so a job. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Some people just get it. But anyway, so I've been working with my producer editor, Joel, now for the past three and a half years. And it has been so much fun. 
I, I agree. My, I, you know, one of the things I'm sure you have talked about, I talk about all the time, know your superpower, the tech side, not my superpower. So you hire to your weaknesses, you, <laughs> you know, you hire someone to do that for you. Well, I'd say, I think I did a great job and I just did not like the work. And I also stacked all of those episodes when I launched the podcast, I did, I think I published like eight episodes in the first two weeks. That was part of the strategy. And that was a lot. I actually went and I rented an Airbnb away from my house for four days, no kids, no husband. And I focused just on getting this thing out the door. And because my goal was April 27th, I told everybody that I was committed to that date. And so I launched it and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) And I made it work. And here we are today. We're on episode like 220 something, um, maybe even 230. I don't even know where we're at. But it has been so much fun. It has. And such great content, honestly. Thank you. Yes. 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 Well, and you are a woman of deadlines, it seems. I gave myself a diamond or keeping promises to yourself. Yeah. It all goes with... So I have this thing. We'll talk about it too, because it's the three things that we were going to take away from my talk at the end of this. Stay tuned to the end of this episode. Stay tuned and she'll share. (laughs) But anyways, um, the three things that I talk about. And one of them is in reputation. You have to hold yourself, your team, your clients to a standard. And you create that standard. And one of those things is in your reputation is trust. And trust is one of the most important things in getting PR because you become this reliable source. You do what you say you're going to do. That's key to creating a great reputation so that you can grow your reach and then you can get the media coverage of your dreams. Love it. And it's, for me, it's a core value. I keep my promises to myself and to others. Exactly. Yeah. Before we get into those three takeaways, which you will be sharing here shortly, I do want to hear about your journey because like I, I had babies throughout a period of time of starting my business. You went and just did it all. Right? So can you share like even what made you decide to build your own entrepreneur journey and how that intertwined with having some kiddos? Yeah. So the kids, my boys are only 11 months apart and that was not by design. (laughs) It just (laughs) happened. But my entrepreneurial journey really started when I was a kid, 12 years old with my sister. We started making jewelry and sold it at local markets. And that was fun. Um, Not too serious, but it was kind of an interesting way of being responsible for your income and running a business. But it wasn't until I was 17 years old, my mom turned to me one day and said, you got to go get a job. This is summertime. All my friends had jobs. And I was like, no, I don't want a job. I just want 20 bucks on Friday nights for my mom and my dad. And so, well, this opportunity came where my sister and I could take over the lease of a seasonal restaurant and run it. And I thought, you know, entrepreneurs, when 17 years old, very naive, I thought they just don't work a lot and they make a lot of money. So why wouldn't I just do that? No one entrepreneurs else in general. You thought on, yeah, like business people in general. Just, yeah. Yeah. They fly and travel and make a ton of money. Yeah. Studied the greats. And I'm like, these people, they're all entrepreneurs. The people that I know that are living the life that I like are all entrepreneurs. So anyways, my friends are getting part-time jobs and they can't control their schedule. It's like, you know what? Let's just do this thing. So... What happened is we ended up working 60 or 70 hour weeks all summer long. We made our own schedule. So we did get days off. But this was back in the late 90s when at the end of the week, when we were like 
floating our till, we would have rolls of like $15,000 cash that we would just hide under our bed because that's just how we ran our, our business. And she's, so she's a few years older than me, much better with numbers, but I thought this is cool. So that to me was normal. Being a 17-year-old kid, paying myself $2 an hour above what everyone else was paying themselves on top of getting those profits at the end. That was kind of cool. So I dipped my toes in entrepreneurship. Then I went to school, uh, did my undergrad in business, traveled, got a working visa in Australia, did that for a year, came back, did a graduate program in marketing, got my first corporate job, which lasted less than two years in an industry that trained small businesses. And this was at the time too, when Twitter was like the cool social media platform. And in around 2008, 2009, when Virgin America was flying out of Canada, I was nominated as a top social media influencer in Toronto. And I won a ticket anywhere Virgin America flew in North America. Uh, I was kind of neat. So then companies started hiring me saying, Hey, you figured out this social media thing. Can I hire you to help me figure that out for the business? These are pretty big companies. And that was fun. So I started like a consulting company where I just bring my laptop to their office a couple days a week and I'd help them figure out a strategy. That led to co-founding a social media agency with my partner at the time, a business partner, Steve. And eventually I sold my shares out of the company um, to move on to a different thing, which was doing um, social media and content marketing for tech companies out of San Francisco. And that's when I met my other business partner, Heather, who was doing PR for tech companies. So we were doing all these projects together. One day when I was eight months pregnant with her, we went out for lunch and I said, Heather, listen, we're doing all this work together, pretty much in a business together. Why don't we just start a company together? And she looked at me and she's like, Renee, you're eight months pregnant. Like, are we doing this now? I said, yeah, babies just sleep all the time. We've got this. (laughs) So we started the company incorporated. It was like June. Max was born in August. And in that first year of business, we had clients all over the world. And we hired, I think we had four or five employees. And it just kept growing to the point where we had 12 employees and we passed the million dollar mark. But in that same year, I had my second son. In that time too, my husband just sold his startup and he was raising around for his new startup. So he was flying all over the place. People asked me, how'd you do it? As it was just survival mode. I was overwhelmed, exhausted. My brain wasn't working. I was just in like cruise control. And that's when everything dipped for me. My health, my, just my awareness. I didn't have any clarity. I was just going with the flow. And eventually my business partner left and I started to shut the company down. This is while we were going through due diligence to be acquired. And I thought, how cool is this? And it almost happened. However, when we looked at our sales projections, when things were really good within the agency, and then we looked at our earnout based on what we could have received if we had sold the company, our sales projections far exceeded what the earnout would have been. So we're like, oh, screw that. We're not going to do that. We're going to keep doing this thing. Little did I know. That's the transition point from when my co-founder was leaving and then other things happened in the company. That was seven years in. Finally, I was like, I'm beyond burnt out. I can't carry this company by myself anymore. I never had that rest. When both my sons were born, I was back to work full-time within a couple days of them being born and then in the office full-time when they were like four or five weeks old. Yeah, it's rough. 
And Canada has a one of the longest mat leaves in the world. Yes. And for me to do <laughs> that was like, this is a great opportunity. I wasn't paying into what we have um, um, employment insurance. I wasn't paying into it. So I didn't actually qualify for that mat leave. However, we were in a good position where I could have taken time off. Couldn't because of business. But there was also so much shame wrapped around this woman that just had a baby going back to work because most of my friends and family are not entrepreneurs. It was the normal thing in Canada. So they just are like, why are you doing this to yourself? And I'm like, oh God, I don't know, but my business needs me. It needs me to run it. And I get my baby needs me too. Luckily for my husband and I, my sister-in-law had a uh, in-home daycare and she gladly took my boys at such a young age. So you can imagine she was taking two babies that were pretty much under a year old. So it was like Max had just maybe turned one and Noah was fresh and it's like dropping them off a daycare. <laughs> yeah. Three-day-old baby. <laughs> Three-day-old. He's still steaming. <laughs> um, and then it was... And so people are like, well, tell me about that time in your life. To be honest with you, I don't remember much. It was like when you're experiencing trauma and it's not like anything was wrong. My relationship with my husband was amazing. My kids were healthy. My business was successful. But there was so much going on that my body did not have a chance to recover at all. So I was always stressed physically, emotionally. I wasn't eating well. I wasn't working out, wasn't sleeping, wasn't drinking enough water. My diet was crap. They called me skinny fat because I'm a six foot tall woman, naturally slim figure, but I was skinny fat. I was not healthy. And that just affects everything in your life, mood, you name it. So anyway, when I shut down that, the doors to that agency, I felt this sense of freedom. But also, it dipped me into a good four-year cycle of trying to find myself. So here I am, my identity wrapped up in running this successful agency. Now I'm questioning myself, who am I? And, and it was all about like, who am I to other people? It wasn't about who am I to myself? And it wasn't a year ago, so early December in 2022, when I went to my second date with Destiny event, the Tony Robbins event, intense event. If you've ever been to a TR event, these are six days in a row, 12 to 16 hour days. And he's having you do the work, the deep work about stuff inside, like the trauma, the triggers. That's when I said, you know what? I love PR. I love running a company. I love the I, like what PR is about. I want to get back into that. Here's the interesting thing, Tina. When I ran that previous PR agency for those seven-ish years, I had never pitched the media a day in my life. I had never written a press release, a pitch. I ran the company and I hired people to do the thing. So when I was dabbling in it again, I had some companies here based out of British Columbia that I'm an investor in that said, hey, Renee, can we tap on your expertise and hire you to do some PR? <laughs> okay. I had to ask ChatGBT, how do you write a press release? <laughs> um, but I've, I figured out a way to do it that was different and unique and quick and seamless. So I didn't have these like bad habits in PR. So then finally one day I was like, you know what? Turn to my husband, I'm going back into PR. This is where my heart is aligned, where my energy is aligned. I mean, do you realize that the industry of public relations is one of the 10 most stressful occupations in North America, next to being a police officer, next to being in the army 
or a dentist. Apparently dentists yeah. are stressed too. And so yes. I'm like, yes, yeah, sign me up for something that sounds so ridiculous. Yes. Not the top <laughs> five lists you want to be in. <laughs> now, if you go back and you look at my career, started a restaurant at 17, never had experience, started a PR ag- agency, never had experience. So I'm like, I can do that. I can do this. No problem. So it got me back into it. The cool thing about it is my approach is so different. And I'm in this position now with such authority that I get to choose who I work with. And I reach out to these people and it's been so much fun. And we're like, not even, we're in a year in now. And it has been probably one of the most thrilling seasons of my entrepreneurial life. (laughs) I love that. So what, you know, what made it clear for you that even because you did it, but you hired people to do it and you had a plain, you know, you had a, you could have picked anything this second time around, if you will, you're discovering yourself. What was the point when you're like, nope, gosh, darn it. I'm I'm good at it. And it makes me happy. There was a moment coming back from, I don't know, day four of day with destiny, going back to our Airbnb and I was writing it out on all the books, like the, the workshop papers they have you fill out. And I was like, oh, why is it that I'm so interested about this? It's So I'm going to come back to answering that moment. But have you ever read the book, The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron? I have not. So this was part of that three-year, four-year unfolding of understanding who Renee Warren is. And part of what you do is you write morning pages. So this is three pages of conscious stream of thought. And you just write down whatever comes to mind. And she tells you not to go back to the previous days or like, don't reread your notes. But I'm a little bit of a rule breaker. I'm like, I want to look for patterns in what I'm writing. And I did. I found all these patterns about, I was always telling myself that I love this, but I was denying it for some reason. And there's a whole story about denying. Remember, I started my last agency having two babies, overwhelmed, completely stressed out. So in my mind... That's that feeling, that emotion of what I was feeling in those first few days was connected to running a PR agency. Sure. Makes sense. But it didn't have to be true. It doesn't have to be the case at all. I'm not having any more babies, by the way. We're done. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, when I was writing this stuff down, part of that work, I'm going to the Tony Robbins event. And I was like, you know what? I decided it wasn't sharing this with my husband. He was with me and my brother and sister-in-law. It's like, I want to do PR. That's what I want to do. So I get home. We, I don't know. It was like two o'clock in the morning and we're trying to wind down before going back to bed. I check my email and in my inbox without anybody knowing that I decided to do this, there were two people that wanted to hire me to do PR. Randomly. And uh, yeah. So I'm like, hmm, God, I get it. Thank you. Yeah. That is a pretty clear sign, honestly. (laughs) Write me the check right now. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, okay, well, I'm not denying this. And then I just leaned into it. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but you know what? I'm going to figure it out. And we are figuring it out and we are just, we're crushing it. Just absolutely loving it this year. This is exactly why I love hearing stories of the path that gets you to where you're at, because there's so many pivots in the journey, right? Tell me about who's on your team now. What's your team look like? So I have a, an assistant. Her name is Morgan. She's a game changer. And then I have a bunch of contractors. So I have Joel who does all my podcast stuff. We have writers. But I don't have an employee. And it's not to say that's not going to happen. But I know what it was being employee heavy running this agency in the past to 
trimming the fat in terms of like even just our service offering before it was just so bloated with stuff that we were offering. Now I have two things. And if people ask for more, I just say, I don't do that. And if they don't want to work with me, that's fine. But I'm not going to commit myself to something that doesn't feel aligned with the work that I, that I know I'm really good at. So we have, there's Morgan, myself and some contractors. And here's the cool thing is I'm going to pay myself more this year than I did any year running that agency. Are you an accomplished woman business owner with a story to tell? Do you crave a platform where you can share your journey, the good, the bad, and the ugly? Hey, everyone, it's Tina here. If you're fans of the show, then you know we are a show that celebrates the strengths and resilience of women entrepreneurs just like you. As we're getting this podcasting community going, I thought it would be fitting to an extended invitation to apply to join me as a guest on our top 100 podcast platform. I started Women Choosing Growth because I believe that real growth happens when we come together and share our expertise and our experiences. We want to hear your inspiring stories, the challenges you face, and the lessons you've learned on your entrepreneur journey. Whether you've triumphed over adversity or faced setbacks head on, your story has the power to inspire and empower other women just like you. This platform is for you to showcase your achievements, highlight your expertise, and create meaningful connections within our community. So if you're a fearless woman business owner, unafraid to open up about your path to success, we want you on our show. Go to www.womenchoosinggrowth.com and join our community. From there, you'll be given the chance to fill out the short application. If you believe that you have a story to share, then why not? Once again, it's www.womenchoosinggrowth.com. I can't wait to feature more amazing and talented women in this community. Now, back to the show. Seems very strategic and smart. And there's some people when you said, I have no employees, they definitely perked up because employees are, it's a whole, employees are great. That would, can get you to the next step. Having employees is also another challenge in a business. It's like, it's one of those things where it's like, employees are absolutely crucial and necessary in growing a business. You can't grow a business without having a team. No, it's a one person. But there's also a lot of pressure in the business world to scale up, hire fast, delegate fast. And while I agree with it, depending on how fast you want to grow your business, there's just some people that are not educated enough or experienced enough to just grow that fast. And sustainable business growth is like a very feminine approach, but it's what we're doing this time for this business because I'm having fun and I don't want that part to end. It's working. It's working. It's working. Yeah. It's working and you're having fun and that's what it's really about and providing great service to your clients. Exactly. Yeah. So on that note, is that what I almost am thinking that I might know the answer to that, but along that whole journey, you kind of, you went this route. Then and now you're in this happy, happier place. You were happy before, but kind of in your mojo place. What um, what was your biggest lesson in that whole journey? The first thing that comes to mind right now is I stopped caring what other people thought of me. I'm like, oh, if I go back into running an agency, what are my old employees gonna think? Right? What's my old business partner gonna think? Like, why do I care about these? I don't. I don't talk to these people anymore. 
It's not like we had a falling out. It's just that we're not in each other's lives as much anymore. And then I'm like, I built this whole identity around PR. Then I broke free of it. And then I got into coaching. So people aren't going to trust me. And like, why does it matter? And so the moment I made that decision and I shared this on Instagram, I got so many messages, phone calls, DMs from my friends, from my community saying, so nice to finally see you back in your power. It's like, you can see you shining again, Renee. I'm like, oh, everybody else knew about me. Sometimes that happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's like we, and I'm going to, I'm, I'm summarizing this collective thought for women. I just, I see it so much too, is we really stop ourselves from doing something. So we're so scared of the unknown, but that is what entrepreneurship really is about. You're not supposed to figure it out or know it. Like jokingly, when I walked into my team standups every Monday morning in front of my 12 employees, I'd say, Hey guys, good morning. I don't know what we're doing today, but let's do it as a joke. Like, I'm like, I don't know what's going, but it was real underneath it. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I think there's too much pressure into having it all figured out. And that's why people just don't take the leap. This time I'm like, I'm going to jump and we'll figure it out on the way down. Yes. I've definitely said that. Like build the airplane on the way out when you yeah. jump it's out a, of Build your plane. parachute on the way down. Build the parachute. Out of, yes, exactly. Yep, definitely. Well, and I think if if there are obviously people, you've probably worked with some, I definitely have, where they think they have to have the whole plan crystal clear. And I'm going to follow steps A, B, C, D, all the way to Z in a nice linear path. But that's not taking enough risk, in my opinion. That's like just you're not picking your head up and looking at other opportunities and other ways of doing things. If you're, if you're not being like, I'm not really sure what we're going to do, but gosh, darn it, we're going to do our best and we're going to give it a whirl. Yeah. And it's calculated risk. The first two things you outsource when you start a business is accounting and legal. Because even if you're an accountant or even if you're a lawyer, because you just need to have that safety net. You need to be set up properly from the very beginning. I hired a coach in in the past six months. And I said, Hey, let's, um, let's get this agreement signed. Do you have anything that you can shoot over and I'll sign it? She goes, huh, that's my Achilles heel. I don't ever have agreements. I should work on that. So yeah, you should. The biggest mistake I made in starting my business back in the early days was just assuming this great relationship will last because we just agree on every single partnership that I've had has, has come to a point where we have to renegotiate or look at the agreement again. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be complex and you can get your lawyer to draft something up. There's really cool, affordable templates online that you can download. And when it comes to accounting, it's just knowing your numbers. You don't have to be an accountant. You don't have to know depreciation, amortization. No. And if you want to, great. You need to work with somebody who can help you build out a very basic financial system. A great bookkeeper can do this for you. And they can update your numbers weekly or monthly. And somebody, if it's not you, is accountable to presenting those numbers. Because that is... I mean, we can look at like our social following all day or our podcast downloads all day. If we're not looking at our numbers, what does that make sense? You are speaking my love language right now. Because <laughs> a financial queen, like business advisor, all the things, but everything in business comes back to the numbers. And for me, it comes back to the profit and the enter enterprise value. Because like, we're not running a business for sales. So we're running it for the bottom line. Exactly. It's not a hobby. It's a business. Exactly. 
Hobbies are great. Hobby. Hobbies are yeah. great. <laughs> I played drama as a hobby. <laughs> yes. Side hustles are fine. But no. that's not what we're talking about here. Yes. So that yeah, was I very much. I, I couldn't have paid you to like say that. Well, I like, that was amazing. Now's <laughs> <laughs> the time to plug your program, Tina. Um, yeah, exactly. But I also say this because admittedly, I am still to this day not great with my numbers. It was something that scared me even when it was good. I don't know why. I have a relationship with money that's quite different than my husband. He was like every day looking at a Stripe account. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Well, things are great. I'm, I'm not looking. It's so for me, it's even more important that I have somebody that's even accountable to me to show my numbers. <laughs> and I think you said something very important there. I've seen so many successful business people that are like, well, no, like we're profitable, we're fine and kind of, you know, shoo-shoo it away. But it's not about like, oh, I have enough to pay for the things coming up. It's really about what are those numbers mean? Where am I at in my industry? What could I do better? I mean, someone's going to be like, hey, in the next six months, I'm going to hand you another half a million. Would you be like, no, thanks. I'm good. Right. Or it's like you're profitable until the tax bill comes. You're like, oh, I forgot about this thing. And we're coming up to the end of the year. If I don't know when this episode's going live. Maybe it's in the new year. But here's the best thing to do for your business on January 1. On that day, when everyone else is tired or hungover or got nothing to do, is start collecting all of those receipts, if you don't already do this for the year, and getting all of your tax crap together and be the first person that your accountant does the work for. Mm-hmm. Because we have an episode on tax strategy. So go back and listen to that. (laughs) Yeah. So now it's time to plug that episode. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Really, it's just about being organized, setting up those systems. We use accounting software and then we use HubDoc where I can forward all my receipts and it goes and it all connects. And yes, it was grueling setting it up. And believe me, this past um, July and August was the time that I actually transitioned to a bunch of new Softwares reincorporated, opened a new bank account all at the same time. And it was, it was a lot. It was very heavy for a couple months. But guess what? Now I don't do anything. It's just running in the background. Yep. You're and like, end of year? Cool. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> click, click. There you go. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Yeah. All those little things that are the nuances, because like what you said in the beginning, people think entrepreneurs just like have all this money and they live these extravagant lives. Like, no, this this is the crap we're doing in, in July and August when everyone else is at the beach. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you don't yes. think it's work. Like for me, work is because I'm also a service provider. For the most part, I still do the work. So to me, that's the work. Like we're actually today in the middle of a PR VIP day where I create the PR strategy for clients that they execute. So part of work for me is, is doing that PR day. This right now isn't work to me. <laughs> this is fun. It's like having coffee with a friend. But then there's also that little thing in the back of my mind saying, oh no, I, it's you know 1.45 in the afternoon on a Thursday. I have to work. I still have five hours worth of work left. So it's an interesting thing. But yeah, setting up those systems in your business is huge. It is huge. So speaking of businesses, and and you obviously have such a great knowledge of that, your podcast was before this reinvention of yourself. So how did... We, we talked a little bit about your passion of wanting to help women with the podcast, but there is a gap in there. Yeah. So I went from... I was business coaching. And the idea was to have people that I've, that have motivated me or inspired me as to be guests on the show, which happened, it still happens. But now the focus is a little bit different. So now it's like these people that are 
notable how they built their authority. And we all love the hero's journey. It's really important to be storytelling because these people might be anything from like professional athletes to tech entrepreneurs to you name it, authors. But we're talking about their a strategy that got them to where they are today. Because people look at these people and they think there's so there's so much nuance in how somebody becomes an influencer <laughs> or has a big reach on social. Because the more reach you have, and we're going to talk about these three things at the end too, the quote, easier it is for you to even extend that reach more. And so when we talk about, like when I interview these guests, we talk about that journey. So you got from there to here, how'd you do it? And it was all about like building a reputation, building up like to get news, you have to create news. You might have like a great story, but is it newsworthy? So we talk about this too. So these are people that have accomplished something great already. So we talk about that greatness. And that greatness is kind of like the golden ticket to get them even more reach. Elaborate that on your expertise. So if someone's like, okay, that sounds great, Renee. How do I do that? Yeah. (laughs) How do I get more reach? Three things right now? Sure. Yes. What are the three things that our listeners should really know? And if they listen to nothing else, They checked out, but they're checking back in. This is where they need to take away. Come back. (laughs) (laughs) We're still here. (laughs) Yes. So these are the three things are a part of what I call the authority arc. So think of like a rainbow. The end end of the rainbow is a pot of gold. And I just call it your golden ticket. So like you become this golden ticket. The first part of it is being rare. So there's a ton of business coaches out there, a ton of fitness coaches out there. There's a ton of PR people out there and publicists. How are you different than everybody else? Is it, it's in your unique positioning. It's in becoming unforgettable and unlike anybody else. And people are like, oh, well, I don't know. I'm not really that different. We all have the story. We all have unique stories that are exclusive to ourselves that are part of what people want to invest in because people buy from those they know, like, and trust. Yes. The next part, so that's number one, is be rare. Rare is like a diamond. Rare is like the golden ticket to the Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. Mm -hmm. Yes. We all want it because not too many people can have it. Diamonds are hard to mine for. And they're one of the most tough materials in the world. And they're beautiful. They're shiny no matter what. So that's what makes them rare. How are you rare? The next thing is your reputation. So number two is reputation. And people, like I said, they know buy from those they know, like, and trust, but trust is the most important thing is you say, or you do what you say you're going to do. You're reliable, you're accountable. These are very important to actually getting media coverage. And then it's uh, setting a standard. You have to be the one that sets the standard for your business, who you work with, how you show up, everything. We are setting, and here's an example, we're setting a new standard for our business. So We're in a place where we pitch the media a lot. So I have, there's three of us that do the pitching on the team. And we talk about, we kind of talked about this before recording, how the PR industry has shifted so much, but we use technology that allow us to know if somebody has opened an email or if they've clicked on a link in an email. And I can't tell you how many times our pitches get open, which is a great thing, but we don't get any response. And I was like, oh, wouldn't it be nice if they just replied with something, not a good fit, not now, or follow up in five months. Like, wouldn't that be great? And I get it. Journalists, they can get like 500 to 1,000 emails a day. So we're setting a new standard in our business because we get pitched a lot to be on the podcast. We get pitched a lot for collaborations. 
And our standard for going into 2024 is to reply to every single pitch with an action. Not a good fit, not now, follow up in three months. Because there's a human on the other side of that doing a job. And they just need to know that they've been seen and heard. And even if it's a no, it's a no. And that's better than nothing, let me tell you. <laughs> it's a world of pitching. So now we go into reach. So reach is the third thing. And in the reach, it's all about, all right, you're going to jog my mind here because I had this memorized yesterday. Oh, reach is about systems and procedures. So you think, how does that relate to PR? It has everything to do with PR. When you're creating up a system for pitching, simple as like we pitch on Wednesdays, we follow up on Thursdays. We only pitch at 10 a.m. Eastern time. And we only follow up at 10 a.m. Eastern time. We don't pitch on Mondays and Fridays. Here's how we pitch. Here's the, how we use the media list, the procedure. So that if you had to let somebody go or somebody just didn't show up for work one day, you can carbon copy their work to somebody else. The next thing is creating a simple PR strategy. And so in extending your reach, it means something like, for instance, I have a client, we're redoing the content for her social media account. And she went from being sporadic and throwing spaghetti at the wall, posting a lot of personal stuff, then some sales stuff. She's a sales coach. And then some other stuff. And when we got more strategic with the content that she was sharing, which was really more specific with her audience, which is people who want to learn about sales, we started to lose followers. Engagement went down. She goes, oh my God, we're, we're doing this wrong. And I said, no, we're not. We're doing this right. Because what's going to happen now is you're going to start getting more followers that need that information and trust the process. <laughs> Her cousins fell off the list. But yeah, no. exactly. It's like mom and dad and the cousins are gone. Yeah, grandma stopped following um, you. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, grandma's always cheering you on. Grandma's always there. Mom's always there too. So creating a simple strategy, which is, I mean, I go, I have so many free resources on the website too. But the last thing, which is arguably the most important thing in growing your reach is consistency. And I say consistency is your currency with everything that you do in life. You want to lose weight, got to be consistent. Want to have a good night's sleep, got to be consistent with your sleep routine. So when it comes to showing up on social, creating content, pitching the media, it's all about consistency. When you work with me on our, our VIP days, we have a 90-day rule because part of this day is we develop the entire strategy for you. We teach you how to do it. And then you go and pitch using the angles that we've written for you. So it's up to the client to do the pitching. Um, so the implementation is actually quite easy. But our rule is 90 days. You have to do this actively for 90 days. I'm not saying pitch on Sundays and Saturdays. But for 90 days, you got to be pitching the list like I tell you to pitch in the manner that we've written for you to know that it's going to work or not. Because people give up after the second week. After the second week, I get messages, Renee, it's not working. This angle is not good. Like, mm, mm. would you give up on losing weight if you didn't lose your 40 pounds? I'm literally going to say that. Do you work out for two weeks and be like, I didn't lose 20 pounds. Like I won. No, <laughs> the same thing. And the ones that win are the ones that allow themselves to get bored, allow themselves to feel like they're a monkey or a robot doing the same task over and over and over again. Once you start getting those wins, it's like you feel a sense of relief, like, ah, oh, finally, and you get there. So that consistency is the most important thing. So just a reminder, those three things are being rare, developing a great reputation and growing your reach. I love it. That was so much information packed in a small little, we're going to bullet point that as well. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, it's the same thing that we've heard for years that people need to see things multiple times in order to absorb it. Right. So you can't do something three times and be like, they don't know about me. <laughs> yeah, no. And there's, and there's even, so in the VIP day, I tell you, teach you how to follow up again with the same journalist, when to do it, what to say in the second time you follow up, or if you're following up again in six months, PR is such an interesting thing. So what I know is that you might pitch a notable journalist and the story might be interesting to them. There's just no fit for it right away. And they won't delete that email if it's a good pitch. But they'll come back to it a few months later, even a year later, if they're assigned a story that requires that pitch. The first thing to do is they search their inbox for the information that already exists. And it has happened where out of the blue, it's like clients get a half page spread and like Women's Day. Like how... I didn't even know this happened. Just somebody took a picture of it one day. I was like, what? This was like eight months after our contract ended. <laughs> and we got the media win. So it's just, it's a long, the longest lead time for any industry. If you're running online ads, you can create your ads, you can launch it, and you'll know within like 72 hours if the ad is converting. With PR, it doesn't work like that. It's like, ooh, will this pitch get a response? Will they come back to me? Will they be interested? Who knows? Takes What's a long the person time. on the other side of that computer thinking right now, right? Right. And there's also like most people are not even staff writers anymore. These are freelance writers that work for multiple publications and they get assigned, um, they get assignments all the time. So they're like, hey, you know, Tina, go and write about the best iPhone cases for the new iPhones that are waterproof that allow the actual magnet to go through the case so that you can put it to your magnet stand. If you're a writer, you're like, hey, here's my query. So now you're like, oh, my due date's tomorrow at midnight. You got to find these people that have the right phone cases. And so that, and then you might be working on multiple assignments at a time. And so that you'll search your email. Oh, geez, this Renee girl that pitched me six months ago mentioned this phone case. Perfect. I'm going to include this. That's very enlightening. I have a question from thinking of people listening that maybe are not doing PR. Who needs to do PR? Uh, everybody and from the very beginning. So if you think about the three things that I talked about in the authority arc, being rare, having a great reputation, increasing your reach, those are things that are constant. The first part of being rare is really identifying like your messaging and your positioning. How are you unforgettable? What is the story? People love the story. As Maya Angelou says, people remember the emotion of what you said, but they remember what you said. Stories evoke emotion. And how are you unlike anybody else? This is when you dig deep, you like sit there on your Sunday morning coffee and you're like, how am I different than like really different than anybody else? That's your positioning. And then there's the reputation bit too, where it's really easy to ruin a reputation. It's hard to build one. So that should be a really goal. It's like, how are you like your standards? The example that we did with our standards is I want to be the person that somebody pitches or the team that somebody pitches. They know they're going to feel like a human saying, I'm sorry, it's not a good fit, but thanks for thinking of us. It takes five seconds to do that. And I know there's some people like, oh, they feel entitled. I'm better than that. Who is this Tina person? She doesn't matter. She's smaller than me. My business makes $50 million a year. Or I have 6 million followers on Instagram. I'm better than you. I don't, I don't subscribe to that attitude. Me neither. So we set mm -hmm. those standards for your reputation. You've got me thinking about that because that is one thing too. I I am a reply. Hey, I'm sorry. It took me 24 hours because that's like my standard to get back to you. I'm going to work on this on Friday because I'm super busy right now. But I am the same way. I want to let you know I saw it. I'm going to 
look at it, research it, get back to you, whatever. Not many people do that. No. And also there's the, the guilt of, oh, geez, it's just another email in their inbox. But if here's the thing, if they're communicating you via, to you via that way, that's how they want to be communicated with. Yep. I think it makes me happy to do that. So if they just want to delete it and be like, whatever, (laughs) that's fine. But I did my part to make me happy. (laughs) Yeah. Like then, Hey, listen, if you really do receive way too many emails in a day, I have some people that have really brilliant auto responses that have such eloquent way of saying, we get a lot of emails. I'm so sorry I missed this, but here are ways to reach us. If it's this, email this person. If it's this, do this. And that's okay too, because at least it's something. I just uh, was communicating with someone last week that I absolutely love their email signature, said, I follow the three email rule. If this is going to take more than three replies, you know, back and forth, you need to pick up the phone and call me and here's my number. I was like, never, I never saw that before, but it's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, but me, then I'm also like, conscious of like, is this email two or three that I like? It's one sentence. Can I just yeah. send it? Well, um, my team and I communicate over Voxer. I communicate communicate over Voxer with all my clients. I say email is really for sending files and sharing and that, but like Voxer is the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it works for us. Well, Renee, you've shared so much today. You've spoke my love language several different times. So I absolutely appreciate having you with us and all the women listening today. Again, I will put all the links to follow you on social media, listen to her podcast. Uh, She says, if you're a businesswoman, you should be having some PR. So you should reach out to her and maybe one of these workshops would be a great start. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the Authority Booster Intensive is their VIP day where you work with my team and I for an entire day and we create your strategy and we teach you how to implement. And then I have your typical retainer-based work too. But I will say this is um, at the time of this recording, we are booked out for the next four months, which is a great problem to have. Um, Sounds like more staff is needed. I know. (laughs) Sounds like my husband. (laughs) Yeah. There's those growing pains that we all have, but it's all in pursuit of helping other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it. Any final words for our lovely lady listeners? My favorite quote by Stevie Nicks. She says, if you're gracious, you've already won the game. Perfect way to end. Thank you again. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please be sure to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. The Woman Choosing Growth Show is not just another podcast. It's a tribe of women helping each other grow. So please share this podcast with all the women entrepreneurs that you would love to see succeed. If you'd like to know more about customized business advising through Cultivate Advisors, download business tools, or sign up for upcoming events, visit www.womenchoosinggrowth.com. Once again, that's www.womenchoosinggrowth.com. Remember, we are in this together. See you on the next one.